This message was recorded at the Redeemed Christian Church of God Salvation Center, where we're maximizing potential and fulfilling destiny. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to the following message. Father, we are grateful for your kindness. We say thank you. For your help, we say thank you. For saving us, we say thank you. And Lord, this morning as we look into your word of life, Jehovah, please speak to us. That it open our eyes of understanding that we may see the realities of the kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Let your will be done. Let Jesus be lifted up and all men drawn unto him. In Jesus' mighty name, I have prayed. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. You know, there was something Pastor Joy said when she was leading us in prayer that reminded me of something else she had said to me. You know, she had said to me once uh, a while back, he said, the success of a marriage is not known when you are doing the for better path. You know, when you take the oath, uh, is it oath? <laughs> vows. of <laughs> Marriage vows. He said, for better, you know, for worse, and all of it. He said, you cannot know the strength of a marriage in the for better phase. He said, when you know the strength of a marriage is in the for worse stage. So, when things are going well, and we are lovey-dovey, kissy, and all of those things, we're happy with one another, you don't know whether you have a strong marriage or you have a weak marriage until the storms of life come. And when those times come, that's when you know whether or not this marriage is legit or not. You know, you say, oh, I love my wife to pieces. Okay. Until the storms come, then we would know. So last week we were talking about being intentional about the way we live. Amen. Uh, and the reason, one of the reasons I kind of segue into this uh, is because we've been talking about the love of God for us. And we have established without reasonable doubt, God loves us. God loves me. But it seems to me that we are not leveraging our relationship with God yet. Because when you have a loving relationship with someone, I leverage the love my wife has for me from time to time. When you have a loving relationship, that gives you a leverage with that person. And it seems like we are not really fully taking advantage of that. And that's why we talked about living intentionally last week. Today, I I'm going to talk about something a little different. And I know for sure I'm not going to finish today, so that's okay. Uh, I so this will be the part one. I want to start by telling you a story. Uh, and if you have the church app, the sermon note is already on the app. Uh, about 15 years ago, my wife had this great idea uh, that we should start uh, a group home healthcare business. You know, to take care of uh, to take care of uh, individuals with special needs. You know, uh, but what we didn't know at the time is that the process, the application process, was arduous. It was a very difficult application process. And as we began to investigate, we found out that locally in town, there was a, uh, a man, a Nigerian, uh, that could consult for us and help us put the package together. 
The only problem was he was charging like $10,000, I believe it was. $10,000, which we did not have. <laughs> you know, so I kept looking, so what are we going to do? But my wife was very determined. Somebody say determined. Uh, if you know Pastor Joyce a little bit, you will know that when she sets her heart to do something, she gets it done. You know, so I said, okay, let's have at it. So she got this manual. I forgot who gave her the manual. This thing was, I kid you not, it was like this thick. I mean, this wide. It was a huge binder. And she went through that thing, and by herself, she put the application together. Did all the policies, did all the procedures, did everything. And then turned it in. And to the glory of God, it was approved with minor corrections. With minor corrections. And before we knew it, we opened the first group home. I mean, business was good. We opened the second business uh, group home. Then we opened the third group home. And as we were progressing with this, my sister, who's here today, uh, she decided to relocate from Dallas to San Antonio to come help us out because the work became so much for us. And I thank God she's still here today. Praise the Lord. Just to put things in perspective for us, at this time, this was about 2005, Tommy that is now in college was about three years old. The twins, they'll be 17 next month. They were two years old. My wife was in school, nursing school, getting through all the hoops to get a registered nurse license. Amen. And the church was only two years old. We're still struggling, working with everything to have some kind of stability. And in the midst of all of that, she did what I just described to you. The question you may be asking is, so what's the point of the story? Uh, there's four reasons why I'm telling you this story this morning. Number one, I'm kind of reminiscing on the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Amen. That's the beginning of that story. I'll tell you the rest of the story another day. God has been faithful. It only takes someone that can reflect and think deeply to know that where you are now is not where you have always been. So things may not be going well right now, but at one time or another, things were going well. And the Lord that brought you to that point where you were excited about life before is going to transition you to a better place after you have learned what you need to learn where you are. I praise the Lord. The second reason I'm telling you this story is because the name of that business is the title of my sermon. Get smart. Get smart is what we call it. You know, and as I was, you know, I was looking for an image to put on the sermon note. So I typed, you know, get smart in uh, Google images. And I realized that there was a movie series. I didn't know if you knew that. You know, there was a movie series and a movie called Get Smart. Number three reason why I'm telling you this is there will always be difficulty and tribulation in life. There, you will always go through adversity at one time or another. Isn't that what Jesus said? John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, in this life, you will have trials. You will have sorrows. 
He said, but take heart because I have overcome the world for you. He has. He has. So your trials and tribulations and adversity does not define who you are. It's a process you are going through. Amen. 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 So for some, for some people today, where you are right now is where we got to about 15 years ago when we needed $15,000 for consultation fees. And because you don't have that money, you have convinced yourself there's no other way forward. Well, I'm telling you today you have believed a lie. And you have lied to yourself. There is always a way. Look at your neighbor. Tell them there's always a way. There's always a way. As long as you are focused on the right stuff, God will open your eyes of understanding to see the way around your, your mountain. And number four, very quickly, I realized that nobody helps someone that is not doing anything. Even God will not help the one that is not doing anything. Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12. Deuteronomy 28 verse 12 says, The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasure in the heavens. Listen to this. And we bless all the work that you do. So if you are doing no work, there's nothing to be blessed. The old King James says, it will bless the work of the hand. So if you are not doing something, there's nothing to bless. My sister would not have come move to San Antonio if we were not doing something that she could help us accomplish and make better. I praise the Lord. So our text this morning, that, those were just extras. <laughs> Someone say extra. Aha. That, that one is called FOC. Free of charge. No consultation needed. <laughs> Let's go to our text for today. Luke. <laughs> that's supposed to be Luke. You have text 16, 1 to 8. Text Luke 16, 1 through 8. And I'm going to read. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. And one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. So the employer called him and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. Verse 3, the manager thought to himself, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches. And I'm too proud to beg. Ah, I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I'm fired? Verse 5. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? <laughs> he asked the first one, how much do you owe him? The man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, Take the bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. He slashed it in half, verse 7. And how much do you owe my employer? He asked another man. 
I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat, was the reply. Here, the manager said, take the bill, change it to 800 bushels. Verse 8, the rich man had, no, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. Verse 9. Let's read to 9. Thank you. Here is the lesson. This is Jesus speaking now. Here is the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your, possession, your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in the name of Jesus. Uh, I, I want us to look at verses 3, 4, and 5 again. The Bible says it was found out that this man, the manager, had not been handling business well. And because of that, the owner of the business said, guess what, you're fired. If you didn't know before, this is one of the reasons why when employers lay people off, it's immediate. They don't say, we give you two weeks notice, you are going to be fired. Once they fire you, they lock the office, they say you come with a security escort to help you pick your things. You know, because of, <laughs> because of the kind of stuff this guy did. I praise the Lord. So they, 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 the man told him, he said, you're fired. You're fired. Look, this man had something that I call self-awareness. So remember, the title of the sermon is Get Smart. Be smart. Be smart. This guy has self-awareness. He understood himself. He, know, he knew what he couldn't do. Some of us, we don't know what we cannot do. We see everybody is doing this, oh, therefore I'm, that's what I'm going to do now. Oh, this is what is working for everybody, therefore that's what I'm going to do. He knew what he couldn't do. He recognized very quickly. He said, I cannot dig ditches, you know. My hands, my palms, soft. I've been living in acid life. I, you know, I, I, I know I can't do that. I cannot be successful doing that. I can't be successful doing that. And then he recognized, I'm too proud to sit by the roadside and beg for arms. So he, he began to think. He began to think. In life, one of the things you must quickly learn is self-awareness. Know yourself. Know what you can and what you cannot do. Number two, you see that in verse four. He said, ah, I know. I know how to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends after I am fired. The number two thing this guy did was he came up with a plan. Being worried and sad and angry and all of that is not a strategy to success in life. You know, someone says, oh, I'm just so tired. You know, nothing is working. That's not a strategy for success. Complaining and murmuring is not a strategy for success in life. He knew what he could do. He knew what he couldn't do. And quickly, he came up with a plan. I'm not talking about the rightness or the wrongness of his action. I'm just talking about the process he went through. So the first thing is self-awareness. Self-awareness. And once he figured himself, he came up with a plan. Right? And in verse 5, 
we see something else in verse 5. The Bible says, he then began to invite those people. There are many people listening or watching right now that you have had many great plans that never saw the light of day. Amen? Oh, it would be a great idea to do X, Y, and Z, and then you did some research, and then you wrote some things down, and then you talked it away. And you're wondering why things are not working out in life. This guy quickly, quickly the, the boss told him, you're fired. You're fired. And he began to think, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Okay, I can't dig ditches. I can't beg by the roadside. Okay, I know what I'm going to do. He came up with a plan. And as soon as he came up with a plan, guess what? He executed the plan. He executed. He followed through. Many of us do not follow through with plans. God has sown many great seed, great ideas in your heart that you have not followed through. The reason many are not successful is not because they don't have the intellect. It's not because they don't have the idea. It's not because they, they have just refused to follow through. They've just refused to follow through. Listen to me. The fact that you have a pushback one time, two times, even ten times, the pushback does not make you a failure. You have just not re you have not hit the right note just yet. Many of you know the story of Abraham Lincoln. Tried many, many times. Until today, we still talk about him as one of the greatest presidents America ever had. If he had given up after the second attempt at the presidency, we will have no story to tell you about him today. Praise the Lord. And if I told you that that was still not part of the body of my message, would you believe that? A lot of us believers, we bury our head in the sand like a proverbial ostrich. You know, we are just wondering that... Listen, the strategy for success that some people have is just, they are just hoping that God will just somehow move somebody to somehow give you a million dollars. Keep on living. That's all I can say. Keep on living. You will figure it out sometime. Amen? That is not a strategy for success. You got to move. You got to do something. It is what you, had, what you are doing that God is going to bless. If there is nothing in your hand for the mathematicians in the house, one times one million is what? Is one million. I know you, are, you assumed what you thought I wanted to say. <laughs> Ten times one million is what? Ten million. Zero times one million is what? Zero. You put zero in a million times, you get exactly zero. What are you doing? What are you doing? That's a question you and I need to ask ourselves. So my, my, what, what I want to do this morning, I, I guess that's probably all I'll be able to do, is to remind you, is to remind you that the creator of the heavens and the earth is your father. 
the creator of the heavens and the earth, not only is he your father, is madly in love with you. God is crazy about you. If he's not crazy about you, who will give their only begotten son to come and die for you with the hope that they will resurrect? What if Jesus did not resurrect? A loss for humanity, a loss for God. It is even unthinkable. That is to tell you how crazy in love God is with you. God loves you. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So let me remind you of that. And because he loves you, and remember, over the course of this series that we've been talking about, love propels us. Love prompts us into action. Love drives us to do stuff. Because God loves you, he wants to help you. He wants to make you. He wants to make me. Uh, my prayer is that uh, you will enjoy what God has freely given. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. First Timoth uh, Timothy chapter 6 verse 17. The Bible says, teach those who are rich. This is not where I'm going. This is the latter part we're going. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud or not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in who? Please say it loud now. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need. For what? You know, all those that like to go around like this. That, ah, you are having fun and you are a believer. You are a sinner. Did you see what? <laughs> Is this me? This is, not, uh, this is not my interpretation. No. He says, who richly gives us what? All that we need. And the purpose is giving them to us. Enjoyment. Enjoyment. God wants, God wants you to live a peaceable life. A happy life. An enjoyable life. Enjoyable life. A blessed life. So I put there, I said, worrying and complaining is not a strategy. You know, so now you have a pity party. Everybody say, ah, hey, yeah. Ah, the enemy is wicked, though. Ah, Satan is a wicked Satan. How does that change your situation? Amen? So for me, I, 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 I don't want anybody knowing I'm going through anything. If I want you to know, I will let you know. Uh, Ross, pray with me. This is what is going on. You are not going to make my, my life issue a gossip matter. Say, ah, have you seen the way pastor has been working lately? I wonder what's going on with him. Say, ah, we've not seen co-pastor. Maybe there's a problem. No, never. 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 It was Jerry Savelle that said, if the devil cannot steal your joy, he cannot keep your goods. He can't. He can't maintain your joy. Because you going morose and sad will not change it. Right? 
if anything, your happiness and your joy may prompt God to say, ah, this is my son. In spite of everything he's going through, he still maintains his joy. He's still this, he's still that. Perhaps God will say, let me intervene and help him. But most people, when they look at you, when you are down and you're looking sad, in fact, the way they will ask you, ah, that means everything okay, you don't look back to yourself. Before you answer, they have moved to the next topic. <laughs> Am I speaking the truth? Yes. They are just asking for formality's sake. Let it not just be that I didn't say something. Praise the Lord. Uh, let me take one point. Let me take one point. So when I say get smart, I mean be smart. Right? And to be smart, this, the word, each word, each, I mean, each letter there stands for something. The first letter is S, and S is for sensitivity. Sensitivity. If you are following on the app, the first blank you have there is for sensitivity. What do I mean by that? I'm challenging you to be sensitive to who you are in Christ Jesus. I am confident that a good number of us believers don't fully understand who we are in Christ Jesus. And that is why the enemy can play games with our lives and kick us around and uh, we are all... <laughs> in fact, some of the things we call prayers for, you don't need to be praying nothing. If you know who you are. Amen. The Bible says the enemy of our soul is like a roaring lion. Like a roaring lion, is that equals to lion? It means it can bark, it can roar, it can do all of that, but it's not the lion. First John chapter 4 verse 4 says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have to know who you are. You have to understand who you are. You have to know that you are the son of the most high God. You have to know that you belong to him. And walk in that confidence. Be sensitive to who you are in Christ Jesus. God already won the victory for us. All we are doing is showing up to claim it. All we are doing is showing up to receive it. An example that you know very well is Daniel. Daniel. Daniel was a man that lived ahead of his time. I, I strongly believe that in my heart. Daniel was living our era in the Old Testament. Enjoyed so much grace from God was walking as though he had received Jesus into his life. But that is the life that they were all looking at. They were all hoping for. But they never got it. But it was like Daniel fast-forwarded his life and he was enjoying the benefits without the experience yet. There is no problem yet that exists that does not have a solution. You just haven't found it yet. In fact, in mathematics, when they give you a problem to solve, it is 
by inference, you know there's a solution. You may not be able to work it and get it, but there is a solution. You just haven't found it yet. In Daniel chapter 2, from verse 1 to 49, we're not going to read it. Daniel chapter 2, 1 to 49. The Bible tells us a story that some of us are familiar with. The king Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the world, had a dream. And he woke up in the morning, he was so troubled by that dream, he called his wise men together. He said, I had a dream. And I want you to tell me the dream, and then tell me the interpretation of the dream. The general belief is that he forgot the dream. But read your Bible. The Bible never told us he forgot the dream. In fact, at the point, he was taunting his wise men. He said, the reason you are playing around is because you think maybe you can stall and then I will tell you. He said, the reason I'm not telling you the dream is if you are able to tell me the dream that I had, then I will be able to believe your interpretation. Because if I didn't tell you the dream and you know the dream, it means you have some supernatural power that enables you to have insight. And he told them, if you cannot tell me the dream and interpret the dream, off with your head. I'm going to kill all of you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And in verse 11, the wise men said to the king, the king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell your, you your dream. He was, they were right. They were right. But what they did not know is that in Psalm 82, the Bible says, Ye are gods. Ye are gods. So when he, when he was saying, only the gods can do this stuff, they have moved it from the realm of man to the realm of God. And you, you, my brother and my sister, a fellow believer, joint heirs with Christ, you are who he says you are. The Bible says we are seated together with him in heavenly places. We are seated. You may be locating me here, but I'm dining with my father in heavenly places. Hallelujah. So I have insight. I have answers to things that you have no idea of. And you too, you have that access. Listen to this. When they came to Daniel and told Daniel that the king is going to kill all of us. <laughs> he said, okay, just tell the king not to be hasty. Tell the king to what? To, to chill. <laughs> tell the king to chill. So he told the king, give us some days and we will give you an answer. And what did he do? He went to seek the face of God children of God. <laughs> Listen to me. You are bigger. You are stronger. You are more powerful. You are wiser than you have imagined yourself to be. Because, not because of this, but because of the one that is in you. The one that lives in you. The one that lives in you. Can I tell you something? There is no record prior to this, that Daniel ever told anybody a dream that was not told to him. Before this time, there was no record of Daniel interpreting anybody's dream. Period. 
whether he knew the dream or didn't know the dream. This guy was just confident in his God. He just knew that God is with me. And if God be for me, who can be against me? That was all he knew and that was all he worked with. He knew. He just knew. He knew that if I go to God, my God is the one that knows all things. He's the revealer of secrets. So he went before God with his folks, uh, with his friends. And they prayed. They prayed. They waited on the Lord. Perhaps maybe they fasted. They waited on the Lord and he came back to the king. He said, king, this is your dream. <laughs> Told him his dream. Listen to me. If somebody tells you to interpret their dream that they have not told to you, if you are able to tell them that dream, even if you miss the interpretation, they will believe you. <laughs> you, you don't have to get the interpretation anymore. You know, were you in my sleep? Did, we, did your head join with my head that we dreamt the dream together, that the dream I have not told you, you know the dream? Daniel was a man that lived ahead of his time. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach us what? Of all things. Of all things. The scripture says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Why? Because God gives wisdom liberally. Liberally. So instead of going around complaining and saying, ah, look at me, oh me, see what they have done to me. I don't know what is happening. You better wipe your face. I'm telling you, it's not a strategy for success. After you have cried, there's time to mourn. Right? Ecclesiastes 3. After you have cried, they fired me. Wipe your face. Where do we go from here? What's the next thing? Then seek the face of the Lord. Know who you are. Be sensitive to the power that is at work in you. Listen, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, he said he would do, he would do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you may think or ask according to what? That is in heaven. That is already in you. It's not something that is going to be made and given to you. It's what you already have. The past two months, my desire and my prayer for the church is that we will wake up to who we are in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 3, I know. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5 you read the 14th verse. He says, awake, O sleeper. Awake. He said, wherefore he said, awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. He's saying, look, this sleep is not ordinary sleep. It's like you are dead. You are alive, but you are dead. Because you don't know who you are. You are just, what is happening to everybody is happening to you. This world solution is your solution. There's nothing exceptional. It is because you don't know who you are. Because we have made the kingdom of God about things. 
So if I dress well, God has blessed me. If I don't dress well, God has, <laughs> I'm impoverished. No! It's beyond that. You have power. Somebody say power. 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 Great power inside of you. You can speak and make things happen. You can declare and have things come to pass. That is who you are. That is who, this is not, it's not psych. It's, I'm not trying to pump you up. I'm, my prayer is that God will just open our eyes of understanding. That the scales will fall off. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Look, at the time, we dared to move from the hotel to get a place up the street. We couldn't do it by our strength. It was a faith project. By the time we moved up the street to buy this building, it was a faith project. I'm like, if it's God, I was still telling somebody this yesterday, if it's the church of God, God is able to sustain his church. He's able to sustain his church. He's able to build his church. He's able to build. By the time we moved from there to here, the bills and everything became five times what we were paying up the street. Up the street, we were struggling. We came here, we have not struggled one day. That is what God can do. Just make sure you are being led. Make sure you are following in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Please rise to your feet. Rise to your feet. Have you ever wondered why everywhere Jesus went, a huge crowd always followed him? Apart from the obvious, the miracles and the food and all of that, everywhere Jesus went, go and read the scriptures. Every word that Jesus spoke ministered grace to the hearers. You always want to be around him. How many of us love to be around people that are always putting you down? Every time you go around them, they just talk you to feel like you are in, you just feel crappy by the time you leave. Nobody wants to be around such people. Jesus said the lesson that you and I must learn from that manager that was fired, what was the lesson? He said, here is the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. The little you have, sow into people's lives. Be a blessing. Praise the Lord. One thing that I know beyond any reasonable doubt is it is better to give than to receive. Giving is not about being rich. If you don't have the mindset of giving you, whether you have abundance or you have little, you will never give anything. You will always have a rationale not to give. In fact, I have seen that people that have little are usually the ones that give the most. When you look at the relativity of what they are giving. Remember the story of that widow. When Jesus, the widow's mind. Jesus said, this woman, she has given the most. He said, how come? She only gave a mind. How about the big boys that gave ten talents and five talents and all of them? He said, no, she gave of all that she had. All she had, she has given. Friends, 
be like Jesus. Let that be your daily prayer. I want to be like Jesus. So that you are sensitive to the nature of Christ that is in you. Lift up both hands to heaven and say, Lord, I just want to be like you. I want to live out this life being who I am really in Christ Jesus. Believe me, brethren, the real you is very beautiful. The real you is very powerful. The real you is very prosperous. The real you is very great. The real you is very mighty and awesome. Say, I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. We talked about my identity in Christ. We talked about the believer's authority. Say, I just want to be like you, Lord. I want to be like you, Lord. I want to be like you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord Jesus, your word says, wherever the word of the king is, there is power. Lord, I have spoken your word today. And there is no doubt in my mind that your power is present in this place today. Lord, because of your available power and your presence, let every need be met. In the name of Jesus. Let the sick be healed. In the name of Jesus. Let every thirst be quenched. In the name of Jesus. Why don't you talk to him just for one minute. One minute. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We encourage you to fellowship with us here at Salvation Center if you are in the San Antonio area. For more information, visit our website at www.rccgsanantonio.org.